He would always hit the high places and then when he had to go back to visit them again, uh, they would be easily accessible to him if he could get away <clears throat> and to uh, visit them. And so in the final chapter of this first letter to the Thessalonians, he gives some admonitions considering it to be the end time. And and I know many times we read that uh, in the uh, early, le- to the letters to the early church, uh, that they believed the Lord was coming soon. And uh, they, and, and they, they did that, not in a way to scare people or trick people or deceive people, but in a way to make sure the church understood not to get lax in what they were doing and always stay ready for the appearing or the coming of the Lord and uh, that's a good admonition for all of us at all times uh, to stay in the place of uh, being alert and awake for what God is doing. I can tell you that there's so many churches that um, uh, are asleep, and that's just true. There's um, churches that are well. The church we have our meetings in 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 um, um, Sandusky uh, once a month. Um, they're asleep, uh, and if you, I, I was so uh, so um, struck by the the. Um, some of the literature and the archival information they had about that church that they had laid out for months at a time. Those of you who uh, could see what the, and they still have some of it on display. They took it down or they still have some of it on display. It's interesting that this church, the church was a Bible believing church. They were a church that preached the gospel as most places are when they first get started and to see what it's become now. Uh, it's, it's an insult. You know, it's really an insult to, uh, to God and his kingdom. The devil likes making mockery of God's people and, and uh, causing them to bend to the world's pressures, uh, to be liberal and, and Inclusive and uh, politically correct and all of that uh, kind of stuff and, and to cause people to live that way um, and to be proud of themselves when they violate God's word. And so uh, we need to be even more committed to God. The more we walk with him, don't ever get relaxed in your commitment to the Lord as though, uh, well, I've done this for so long and I'm, I'm grown up in the Lord and I've, oh, I've heard that sermon before. Oh, I know this and oh, I know that. And, uh, just to get, uh, I guess slack in your, your view of your life with God. It should be new and vibrant and uh, full of challenges every day. Uh, it should be exciting every day. It should be uh, an adventure. Uh, all of that uh, should be readily available uh, to us uh, to keep us interested in life. You won't be interested much in life if it's not interesting to you. And the way to stay interested is to stay connected to God and to his people. Uh, we live in a in a uh, a uh, world now where people think they can get everything on the internet and it's not real. That's because that's why they call it virtual. You ever realize you ever wonder about some terms sometimes and think think that God's maybe trying to to uh, warn us in a way uh this that you read on the internet is not all real. 
this is virtual. You know, they'll they'll say, "Yo, you can have a virtual office, and you can have a virtual uh, this and a virtual that." You know, as though uh, you you don't have an, an ability to have anything real in your life. <clears throat> And so God offers us heaven's reality for us, which is the best real that you can have. See, the life in the spirit is real life. It's not a virtual anything. It's real because heaven's a real place. Glory is a real place. The world of the spirit's a real place. And we serve a living God. And that's why it's not fake and it's not false. It is true and it is real. So in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, I thought I would, let me start in verse 13. Well, let's start in, um, thank you, Lord. I think 413. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we'll go to 5, verse 1. I might refer back to some of the things he said so so far but this is his summation and this is his admonition to the Thessalonian church it says but the times of the times and seasons brethren you have no need that I write unto you in other words you know what's going on and I wish that could be said for the church universal in this age But if you stay tapped into God, you do know what's going on. He said, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them and travail upon as upon a woman as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that's not for us. God's coming will not be a thief in the night if you walk with him and obey his admonition. So we're going to talk about the admonitions we need to obey so that you won't be caught unawares of what God's doing. He says it will not overtake you like a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Amen. Is everybody paying attention to me? What you doing back there, buddy? Huh? You keeping up? All right. I keep hearing a little flicking and clicking. Nobody's looking, paying attention. He says, but let us who are of the day. Oh, I'm sorry. He says, you're a children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So don't do dark things. Don't pay attention to nonsense. That's not your domain. And he says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Watch and be sober about what you're watching. Don't watch and make up your own interpretation of what's going on. When you watch, you are to be sober. You know what sober means? Don't be inflated in your interpretation of what's going on in the earth. If it's dark, call it dark. You know, uh, you'll see a lot of situations now where people are reaching out to people of different uh, denominations. They're reaching out to different uh, political leanings, different ethnic groups, sexual orientation. And, and it's good to love everybody, but pray for them 
As sobriety means that you have a way in God of assessing their spiritual condition and what their spiritual needs are and pray accordingly. They'll always stay with where God has them. And he says, uh, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. Another, keep your spiritual eyes open and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober. So if you're a daytime person, you're not a drunken person. You're not a person that needs the world's antidote for your problems. You're not a person that relies on the world for your solutions and your answers. But you walk soberly before God and depend on God to meet your every need. I mean, every single need that you have put before him to meet that need. Don't assume everything that comes across your mind is okay with God. Because we're all being tested all the time to see, see if we love him or not. I mean, every every other word is a test. You know, I'll I'll say some things like I find myself saying things, speaking from my heart, and and um, I I always say I enjoy giving, and I do. And I refer to myself sometimes, not a lot, as a giver. You gotta be watch careful how you say things and. Watch what you say to people, you know, because it'll, it'll fall on the wrong ear sometimes. And people, oh, well, you know, I don't know what she gives. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. You're, you get, people get that grumble in them sometimes and want to be judgmental. But but even though I enjoy giving, I find myself being tested on it over and over and over again. Well, you love giving. But why are you grumbling that you gave something to somebody and they don't seem to be using it appropriately or... You understand what I'm saying? And and so you're being tested all the time on the words of your mouth. We all are. And so the the antidote for that is to stay sober and to stay vigilant and understand that the enemy can creep in at any moment and begin to try and bring darkness into our light. You know, God, I was feeling good about helping this individual. I was feeling good about doing this or I was feeling good about this. And then all of a sudden, here comes this little murmur in the back of my head somewhere telling me that, you know, this, uh, you know, oh, they don't do this right and they don't do that right. Well, let this be the last time I need to do this for somebody. You understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, it'll grab you like that. Don't act like it don't happen to you because it does. Yeah, so don't be judgmental now. Don't judge my test. You got one of your own coming up. And so when you start understanding what, what we're under as children of light, you'll understand that by your own words, you are either justified or condemned. So your own words will get you in trouble. You know, you do better just giving in secret and not saying so much about you love giving. You understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, you get tested on all them things you pronounce that you love. Amen. Like, you know, you'll have to, well, I love the saints. I love the saints. And all of a sudden, the saints start giving you so much trouble. Huh? If you love the saints, it's by the grace of God. Huh? 
If I love being a giver, it's by the grace of God. Amen? No glory to myself. God gets all the glory. And so if we we can live sober, that's what I mean by being sober. Amen? Understanding that we are on trial every single day. And our words put us on trial. Amen. Our own words will put us on trial sometimes. Sometimes if we're expecting God to give us a blessing that's, that's kind of unusual. So we think, uh, it'll be the hardest thing getting that blessing in your possession because the devil starts fighting you over it because you're running your mouth about it. So your own words either justify or condemn you. So being sober means to, to live in the grace of God. It means to live under the shadow of the Almighty, walk humbly before Him, make sure that you don't get any kind of boasting in yourself and your own ability involved in what you're doing, nor be a condemner of yourself. Amen? Uh, Just walk sober. Sober means you neither boast nor condemn. Amen? It means you neither brag uh, nor nor, uh, condescend. You know, it just means to walk in the light of God and walk walk worthy of his calling by the grace of God. The grace of God is is that power in God that enables us to obey him. Grace is not a blanket excuse for sin or bad behavior. Grace has nothing to do with bad behavior. Amen. The blood has to do with bad behavior. You, you've got to repent and get under God's blood in order for that to be erased. And then you've received the grace to get up from just having disobeyed God and go back and obey Him again. Now how does that happen? He takes the Holy Ghost eraser to your conscience. You know the thing that, that trips us up in obeying God is the bad conscience. You know, you receive, you start remembering, oh God, suppose I don't do this right or that right. Why would you even think like that? It's because condemnation, a hangover from your last disobedience is still looming out there to grab you and pull you into insecurity about whether God's with you or not. It's all, only thing you need to have for success is God be with you. You understand me? And he's with you because you stay humble before him and you repent and you're not trying to justify your bad behavior. You're not trying to get him to overlook what you did because it's you. I didn't mean that. You know, he doesn't want excuses. He wants you to plead the blood and, and ask forgiveness and keep living for him the way he wants you to live for him. But the Bible says that our consciences have been purged from dead works Dead works is anything you did in sin, disobedience. And when your conscience is purged from that, then it says you can serve the living God without fear. In boldness and confidence that he's with you. Why? Because you've confessed and it's been purged. Now, if you still have misgivings, you go back until you're sure that you're purged. You don't walk around in condemnation. Then when God gives you something to do, you're upset, you don't trust yourself, you're nervous, and you can't judge whether you're doing the right thing or not. All of that comes from condemnation. It comes from people don't stay in the presence of God long enough to know their sins are forgiven. That's something we have to know. 
in order to to do the right thing before God. And it is so very vital and important. It's so important that all denominations of Christianity that that really believe in the atonement, we that's one thing we all agree on. Is that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins and if you confess your sins, he forgives you and cleanses you. That's foundational. I don't care if they're spirit-filled, not spirit-filled, whatever they are, all that believe in the forgiveness of sins and the work of the cross believe in universal forgiveness through the confession of sins. So that's a place where you can agree with the Baptists, you can agree with the Methodists, you can agree with the Presbyterians, you can agree with the Kojic, Mojic, and, and all them other jicks out there. Amen. You can agree with all of them on that one tenant. And that one will take you to heaven. Amen. And so when we understand that, we understand how central and how uh, foundational that 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 foundation is and don't let that foundation get destroyed through some kind of sloppy teaching about some fake grace that people start you know people promote false doctrine to make themselves popular now whether you've noticed it or not you can get a big following if you want to cut corners in God I'm waiting for another amen Amen. Mm-hmm. See, when you say amen, you receive what's being te- taught. You got it? If you sit there and try to figure if you like it or not, it passes you by. And that's why a lot of times people just keep repeating the same little petty failures over and over again. Because they don't receive actively what God is saying when, he, when the word's preached. Amen's not a, it's not like a pet phrase or, and it's not an indictment against you. (laughs) You got me? It doesn't point the finger at you as somebody who's guilty because you say amen. (laughs) It helps you. So that while you're in this setting, you start receiving the word. You say yes and amen, so be it. Let that be true in my life, Lord. And I receive that so that I don't go out of here and make the same mistakes over and over again. You got me? And start hiding them. And, and that's how the early church lived. Amen. They lived in a constant spirit of exhorting one another, encouraging one another. Continue on. This is a difficult journey. You need to stay in touch with the people of God so that you can be encouraged to move on can i get an amen everybody likes that one so that's good but it's it's a good thing because when you understand why you do certain things and why you don't you know it'll help you to be able to receive more while you're in the atmosphere where this word can help penetrate under the anointing is the greatest atmosphere for that word to get inside you and to help you and to become a part of you so stay engaged amen It says, but let us therefore, he says, you're children of light, 
children of the day were not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us keep as as do others. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So sobriety means following God's word and not adding to it, not taking away from it, not trying to be special, not trying to be different, but just be your average Christian receiving from God. He says, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So sobriety really means to stay in a protective posture of your spirit. See, stay in a position where your spirit is engaged with God and it's protected from darkness at the same time. So he lists some pieces of armor. Stay in faith. Always have your faith out there working on something. Always have your faith engaged in some work uh, of the ministry that God has put on your heart to do. Always have your faith committed to somebody else's salvation, somebody else's miracle, somebody else's prosperity, somebody else's something answer to prayer that they're expecting from God. Always stay in agreement in prayer with somebody. You know, be be quick to respond to the invitation uh, to pray, intercede for somebody. Always be quick to do those things. And he says, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Amen. It's forgiveness and and helping people wanting to help. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Amen. So we keep before us that whatever it is that has come upon us or somebody we know, another church member, a friend, that they will be delivered from whatever it is that's coming against them. That's what your faith is for, to keep it engaged in somebody else's miracle, to keep it engaged in somebody else's faith, to keep it engaged in somebody else's blessing. So he says, uh, for God has not appointed us to wrath. That means eternal damnation or, or God's wrath being poured out on us, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not appointed to a judgment against us. Amen. We're appointed to salvation where Jesus will save us from everything that ever comes against us. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died for us, that whether we be wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Amen. We are to live together with Christ. We are to be engaged actively in what's important to him. Amen. Just always think, you know, God, I'm here. I'm available. Uh, what do you want me to do? How do I, how do I do this? How do I go about, um, uh, helping in this situation? This, is this my thing to help with? Do you want me to help with this? And, and so forth and so on. Just pray about it in the spirit a little bit and find out uh, what God wants us to do and, and, uh, he'll open doors. So pray. Oh yeah. Mr. Gary was sharing with me about a friend of his. He said, he said he got a call from this this guy's was it his son who called you and he said this man is is um uh, uh 
sick. He was in a, a nursing home and he has some kind of Alzheimer's. But the son said he mentioned your name and asked for you. Well, Mr. Gary went to see him and the man didn't recognize him or anything. And I said, it's got to be God. Why would God have him remember? So so uh, Gary said, you know, I'm going to pray for his salvation. I said, yeah, absolutely. We, and we agreed in prayer for that guy to be saved. And I said, for God to wake him up and give him a name. Why not some other friend's name? Because that was not what was needed. What's needed is somebody who knows Christ and has the presence of mind to want to pray for somebody to be saved. You understand what I'm saying? So these things come upon us. And I'm sure you've been praying for God to use you, right, Mr. Gary? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it happens just like that. See, these are things sometimes we let it slip or we think, well, God knows I'm available or whatever. But if you take the time out to address with God, God, I'm available. Please use me. You know, he will use you and he'll let you know. It's so supernatural the way he does things. So I thank God for that. I thank God for divine appointments. Thank God that he's willing to use us in a miraculous way. And we know that this man will come to repentance and salvation. This opens a door for God to be able to minister salvation to him. So it's wonderful. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So God has not appointed us to wrath. Amen. But to obtain salvation. By the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Edify one another even so also you do. So in other words, Paul is saying, I know you do this already and I want you to continue to do it. Amen. To build one another up, to strengthen one another, always encouraging one another in the good things of God. So these are good things to keep in mind in dealing with one another in the church. We have an obligation to keep one another on the straight and narrow and keep one another encouraged in the faith. What do I mean by that? Always be available to undertake for one another when situations arise that may be uh, overwhelming, uh, that may be needing agreement, where you it may be a challenge down the road somewhere that somebody might face. And we know it's, it's gonna, we sense it might be a challenge for them so that we can stay engaged in helping them to get to the other side of that obstacle that's keeping them from, from what, uh, God has for them. Amen. So, uh, <clears throat> but so Paul really pours out to this church. He has not been able to be with them in a while. So he takes great pains to explain his love for them and why he hasn't been there. And so uh, I think that was uh, in Second Corinthians 2.18, Paul talks about, um, why he's been delayed. It's, it's, it's some things have happened. He longs to be with them. He can't be with them. And he wants them to know that his absence is not because, uh, of any kind of, uh, bad behavior on their part or, uh, you know, anything along those lines. And, and so I just think it's good to know that, that these people were being thought about, um, uh, um, 
uh, they were they were loved. No, it's not Second Corinthians. I think it's uh, Thessalonians two, First um, Thessalonians two. So I thought I might have to backtrack. So that's why I put that down there. He says uh, in verse eighteen, "Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our?" Lord Jesus Christ at his coming for you are our glory and our joy amen and so he was able to tell them that if he could he would be with them in in in, in person but he's had some resistance from the enemy and so in the face of that though he still wanted to speak to them so he writes to them in a letter he says in verse 12, he says, and I beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So Paul is telling that word when he says to know them, it means to uh, get to understand who they are. Their relationship, the proper relationship that you have with people over who are over you in the Lord, uh, get to know those who labor among you in the gospel. Amen. And, and really what he means is that uh, we are to treat certain people in our midst in a certain way so that we can get full benefit of our salvation. So there's a certain relationship that's required with everybody that God puts into your life. Uh, love one another. That's the key. Uh, the other thing is that when God puts people over you in the Lord, that has to be treated in a certain way or you won't get the benefit of their oversight. Amen. So God is holding ministers accountable for you. Amen. Uh, and, and he's holding them accountable for your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, uh, your spiritual sharpness, uh, your, your, the growing in the fruit of the spirit in your life and self-discipline and maturity and undertaking the things that God wants you to undertake as you grow. All of that is, is the responsibility of those that God has placed over you in the Lord. And this is why it's, it's hard sometimes for people to continue to stay submitted because everybody has their own idea about, uh, what they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, God told me I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, uh, you know, I haven't done it yet and I don't know. You know who's holding me back and all of that. And eventually they blame the preacher. You understand what I'm saying? You know he got to be holding me back. You know, so forth and so on. And, and so I'm, you know, I don't hold anybody back. Uh, I've had people leave here and say they wanted to do ministry and they've done nothing. Know what I'm saying? I mean, if you don't think you're doing ministry when you come here once a week and pray, there's something wrong with your See, some uh, some part of you is really asleep already, you know, and you don't know it. Then they don't want to come to meetings. They don't want to pray with the prayer partner. That's always a red flag. Uh, There's some people that just want to drop down to Sunday church type mentality because that's in everybody's mind as far as what church is about and they don't see themselves as lively stones you know living stones 
able to work for God and do things for God. They just want to come and sit and come when they want to. Amen. Because they've, they've called themselves something other than what God calls them. Got me? When God calls you, he calls you by name, but he also calls you by your work, by your office, by your responsibility. There's some things that are implied in your name when he calls you by name that you have to get to know him to get that revealed to you, to walk in that. When I was first born again, I had no concept I was going to be a minister. You know what I'm saying? I was just glad to be saved and not going to hell. I lived happy about that for years. And and then when God started to open up more revelation to me, uh, I know I was at least six or seven years old in the Lord before he started to let me know I was called to ministry, all that kind of stuff. And And so I think it's good to just walk this out step by step with God so you don't get ahead of yourself, you don't fall behind, you don't assume something that you're not and get frustrated and angry because of the vision that you've created for yourself is not happening got me so there's all kinds of false things around here that people's imaginations can get involved in and so we have to be very very careful to stay in the light as he is in the light amen and so god tells us number one for those who uh, labor in the uh uh in who labor in the lord to hold them very highly in love for the sake of their work. Now, what does he mean? Very highly in love. It just means to walk in a place where you are forgiving and not judgmental, where you are uh, building with your words and not critical, where you are uh, uh, allowing God to work in that person's life so that they can be of maximum benefit to you and everybody else they have to oversee. Because it's really not just you that these people are working for. It's you and not only others in your congregation, but there are people that, that, Ministers are assigned to pray for if they'll obey God. There are other works that they're assigned to do, uh, and, and they have to have the, I would say, the support and encouragement by the Spirit of the body of Christ. Got what I mean? So when you support me in the Spirit, you're loving, forgiving, and giving. Just like toward you, I'm loving, forgiving, and giving. Got me? It works both ways. So when you, when you have that kind of relationship, then you can, with a good conscience, go about doing your work. If, if a minister comes into their place of ministry and everybody's angry, upset, hostile, not wanting to submit, not wanting to word, disgruntled, with both one another and all that kind of stuff. It makes it difficult for their job to get done. So that what that really means is somebody's not esteeming me highly enough because you're not doing the basics that God gives us to do to walk in love toward one another. See, you created an atmosphere of contention for the minister to walk into. 
got me and now i got to fight your devils their devils devils up there devils out there in order to get my job done and the lord says the word says that's not beneficial for you because i might have to spend half the sermon rebuking your crazy devil that you stepped into again for the umpteenth time when you could for rebuke that thing yourself and make up your mind before you walk in that door that i'm going to walk in love period once i get through this door devil you leave my mind alone you leave my words alone you leave my heart alone and i'm going to humble myself to god and hold this person in high esteem because they have work to do i know not of you have no idea unless you're a minister what it takes to be a minister you have no idea and so don't assume that you do because you don't and so these are these are things that God reveals to his servants on their level of service and so many times we'll think oh you know it's just getting up and coming here and uh, you know reading a few scriptures and you know or I say oh she threw that together this time or you know spent a long time studying this time you know all these little crazy ideas that will come to you from the darkness where you judge people and you have no idea what they do or what they're called to do, how they're called. You know, you have no uh, value, no basis for judging anybody. And so that's what it means to hold them highly in love for their work's sake. You want to see that person who's over you succeed and not fail, be able to do the work without being hindered and without, you know, stopping, without anything going wrong. And to be at peace among yourselves. Amen. He says be at peace among yourselves. In other words, seek to be at peace with your brethren. The people in the church community. The people in your congregation. People that you pray with and come to contact with. Seek to be at peace among yourselves. Amen. And that helps a whole lot. See, it's easier for me if you would govern yourselves and I not have to get involved and tell you to forgive one another and do what the Bible says to do that you're not doing. Because you just don't want to do it. You understand what I'm saying? So you know what to do. In other words, this is saying you know what to do. You know how to get along. You know how to lay down your swords against each other. Amen. And be at peace among yourselves. And just uh, learn how to flow with God better so that the work of the ministry is not hindered. So this is how you get to know those who labor among you in the in the gospel. Amen. You get to know their work. You get to know their schedule. You get to know their habits. You get to know their needs that you can fulfill. Amen. And And hold them in high esteem. Amen. Because God has pulled them out from among you to do a specific work for him. And that needs to be honored, amen, by all of them. Understand this about your your pastors and overseers. They're not your pal, not your friend, but have respect for their calling and labor in the Lord. They are not under you that you correct them. Amen. You you understand what I'm saying? Or try and send them little messages and stuff like that. No, you need to look at this. You need to read this. No, I don't. Amen. I haven't given you permission to speak into my life on that level. God speaks to me about what I need to read, etc., etc. 
Know how to do those things. So, and stay in, in place where God has you so that you can learn, that you can grow. And you can have success in the things God has called you to do. Amen. This is, this is for your success. You know, it's not to make anybody feel bad or feel stupid, but, uh, your success will come as you understand how to carry out this verse 13. To esteem people very highly in love for their work's sake. If I were to let you start speaking into my life and telling me what to listen to and what preacher to, to listen to and all this kind of stuff, then you would be in my place. And that would vex God. You see what I'm saying? Because that's really not your position. Amen? I know how to find out what God wants me to know. And if he tells me to include you in it, I know how to come to you and ask you for it. Amen. But God won't let me do that because it's easy for people to get the impression that they are are larger than what they are. Nobody wants to be more humble than what they are, but everybody wants to be bigger. Amen. We all want to be richer. We all want to be more beautiful. We all want to be... <laughs> Younger, more spry, everything. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. So, so just this is just knowing about spiritual placement. You know, how are you positioned in God's kingdom, and and stay in the position that He's called you to, and work from that position, and you can be a great help to the you can be a great help to God's kingdom if you knew your position and you learned how to content yourself there and and be uh, comfortable there and uh you know all of those things so and everybody has a, a part to play in the in the growth of God's kingdom so it's best to find out what your part is amen do your part and and always ask for God to give you more to do but in your part amen uh and and you can you can do a, be a great support uh to God's kingdom uh that has always been my prayer that the people in this ministry that that it would give me great joy if wherever they went, if they ever had to leave here or go someplace else or work for someone else, that they could do excellent work. Amen. That they would do work in an excellent fashion. And so uh, some of the younger kids, I can see how that's happening for them now. You know, some of them have opportunities to use their their skills and ministry to help other churches. And, and uh, they come out. It comes out. In an excellent fashion, you know, and, and God has honored that prayer, uh, wherever we go as a ministry, that we work excellently and, and leave a blessing behind, not, not a bunch of confusion and a bunch of nonsense. So it's, it's just a good thing. You know, we see a lot of people come and go and both in this ministry and then, uh, when we have ministers coming in to minister we see some of their fruit and you know sometimes if the fruit's bad enough i just don't invite them back it's just too much stuff to to cut through to try and get at what they have to offer you understand what i'm saying so it it, it just isn't to me worth it uh you know and i do pray about these things it's not like oh they messed up this one time and they're done you know for some people it is that cut and dry but for others you know you pray about it and, and you say well my prayer my concern is always this if this is the fruit that this minister produces what do they have inside of them to offer our people? You got me? 
you know, if if there's if they bring uh, people to work with them at the altar, and they're in full full of strife and contention, and and I'm looking at that and I'm saying, well, if this is what her training produces, what does she have for? This congregation out here, if it's if it doesn't balance out and say, well, okay, this is one area that's not producing well for this person, but they have an accurate word here, an accurate word there, or something like that. If there's a trade-off that seems, but then if I got to spend my time rebuking their help at the altar, the anointing goes. Got me. You don't want to sacrifice. We're praying for more of God's glory to come into the meeting. And I'm inviting somebody in that doesn't have discipline in their staff. They don't even know how to walk in the spirit and walk in obedience to their, their overseer. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's kind of a catch 22, but in the end, if I don't have peace about it, I just, you know, just, it didn't work out or whatever it worked out. Praise God for that short period of time, but uh, it it is it is something to look at. You have to examine these things and uh, understand what God is speaking to you about it. Sometimes people will start preaching and they preach two or two or three times excellently, and then number three is bad, number fourth is a disaster, and so you have to you just learn, folks, and it's no indictment against anybody, you just learn these things, and so it, it, it's just really good to to understand what God's peace will bring into your life and into the ministry, don't ever settle for this this feeling of unrest in you or this feeling of being disgruntled or or not sure always ask god god i I need to have peace inside about this thing and i want your peace and just show me uh if there's something i need to do to get it and and stay on to it sometimes all you need to do is spend more time in the word get yourself get your mind renewed it's your mind that's in turmoil you know and and just spend time with the father in the word and let him bring you back to peace again so that you're not upset about every single thing that goes on. So he says here, now in verse 14, he says he also exhorts us to do certain things. Warn them that are unruly. You know, you need to tell people sometimes, you know what, God really loves you. He has a better way for you to live. You know what I'm saying? I just want to pray for you. It's, what do you think you need God to do for you right now? You know, just allow people to open up to you in such a way that you can come into agreement with them for God to make a change in their lives. And God will do it. Amen. So when it says to exhort them, he says, I exhort you to warn those that are unruly. But he's also speaking about church people that that want to go off and do their own thing. You know, don't ever wink at people who you know are not walking with God and trying to go off the rails. You know, don't be their accomplice in their bad behavior. You know, don't wink at that. And, you know, always carry yourself in a place where they, they are afraid to even let you know they're doing stuff behind God's back. You know what I'm saying? There are people that some people never take anything seriously almost. You know what I'm saying? They'll get so far behind in, in, uh, uh living for God that, that they start 
doing bad behavior, tolerating their own bad behavior, and then they want to make light of it, you know, instead of just, you know, if you got to struggle, struggle. But struggle knowing that you're going to win. You know, righteousness is going to win out. It's worth the struggle. And when you get on the other side, then you'll realize that it was worth the struggle. When you're on this side, you think it's not worth it all the time. Amen. And so once you understand, God, I don't care what the struggle is. It's worth it for me to continue to resist the devil until he quits. Amen. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep doing, keep praying, keep fighting, keep declaring, keep living right, keep giving, keep blessing, keep doing everything you told me to do because I have nothing to give up for and I know the devil must let it go at some time. And so that's what you do. You you warn people who are unruly and just tell them, aren't you scared to do this? I mean, you saved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, something. Something will come to you to help bring people to their senses says comfort the feeble-minded so there are some people that just need to be comforted because they have such unrest on the inside of them amen let me see what this word uh really does i'm gonna look it up real quick i meant to look it up before so you guys forgive me i said ah the reason i grabbed this bible is because it does have a concordance right in the back 3642. So I'm going to look it up real quick and see if there's a, uh, supplementary meaning besides feeble minded 3642. Oh lord, 36 way over here. <laughs> see, it means faint hearted, little spirited. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's really people who don't really know how to trust God very well, and they they're quick to give up. Amen. So he says, comfort them. Just tell them, listen. You can hold on. God is going to do this for you. You just wait and see. Amen. See, that's a word of comfort that God will. Is, is really going to answer their prayer because many times people who are faint hearted are easy to quit. They'll quit at the first notion. The first thing the devil does is tell them it's not going to happen. They just believe that and drop it. And so it, we're to comfort those people with the hope that God is going to do it. If you just hang in, if you don't lose heart, amen, he will come for your rescue and come for your aid, amen. The Bible says that we're not to get weary in well-doing. You're praying, you're believing God. Don't get weary, because you're going to reap on this. Just wait and see. God's going to do this thing for you. And you can tell them that in complete confidence, because you are supporting them and in agreement with them in prayer. See, you're not just handing out comfort pills. You're actually agreeing with them in prayer. And it says support the weak. In other words, strengthen people who are weak. Don't tell them you don't have enough faith. Or, you know, why don't you, why can't you believe, you know, that kind of stuff? You know, just support them. Amen. Undergird them. Give them more confidence in the scripture than they have right now. That's what that kind of support means. It really means a spiritual undergirding. And it means an encouraging in God. 
It's what we do when we go out and and pray for people on the streets. You're supporting them in their weakness. They don't go to church. They barely know the Bible. Many of them don't know God. Or if they do and they're running away from God and running away from his church. Amen. So we're to support the weak and be patient toward everybody. Amen. And that's something we can all use help with. Because at some point you're going to run out of what you think is your long suffering. And you're going to have to run into God's long suffering. And really understand what patience means. Amen. So so we have to do these things. Amen. It says be patient toward all men. And understand that if God says he's going to do something for them. He is going to do it without fail. For everybody who believes. Amen. So uh, uh, we have a responsibility in other words. uh, According to these letters uh, you're responsible to do these things as you, God's ambassador you got to speak for him and and do what he would do in this situation and how do you know what he would do through scripture through the word and through listening to the holy spirit and making yourself available i think that's the biggest part of it is is staying what they call prayed up. You know what I'm. You know what I mean. It's just in the Word, like you're supposed to be. Just stay close to God, uh, uh, reading His Word daily, praying in the Spirit daily. Uh, I would love to do more of it. So every time I think about it, I pray in tongues, make myself pray in tongues. You know, instead of telling myself, I, you know, I, I, see you didn't pray in tongues enough today, and then beat yourself up and go and mope somewhere. I pray in tongues when I think about it. I pray in tongues when I don't think about it. And, and so it, it says in, 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 in just be patient toward all men. He says see that none render evil for evil to any man. I don't care who it is and I don't care what they've done. But ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. And that's saint and sinner alike. In other words no retaliation don't try and think of what you should have said to get them told. You know, how it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit put a, a restraint on your mouth. You know, if you held your peace, it's the gift of God. It's not cause you, you know, you're so strong and you do everything so right. Sometimes it's just, that God just came and put a clamp on that and you couldn't think of anything that you really wanted to say from the flesh, you know. And then, then when you restrain yourself, you go away and the devil tells you, now, you see, you should have told him off. Now, next time, let me tell you what you're going to say next time and set you up for nonsense, mayhem, shenanigans and foolishness and sin. Because God doesn't want you going away contemplating evil. Amen. Uh, you're supposed to say, Lord, thank you for helping me resist temptation. Help me for helping me hold my peace against that brother, against that sister. Help me for, uh, thank you for helping me to be a peaceful person. Or where my flesh wanted to get involved, you helped me to not do that, and I thank you for it. And and let that settle it, Amen. Don't let your mind go away 
disgruntled and and uh, mad because you didn't jump and pounce when you had the chance to jump and pounce. Amen. And uh, sometimes if you have to speak to people, you can do it privately and patiently with them and say, you know, that wasn't correct what you did there, you know, and, you know, and let them know, you know, didn't make me feel good and that kind of stuff and and come to a a place of understanding through entreating people and not through jumping back on people you know because uh, you want to you know just your flesh wants to get involved sometimes you realize that people are are not really meaning anything evil they just say things and and don't really mean any harm, but there's harm anyway. But that needs to be forgiven, and it doesn't need to be paraded everywhere and and you know trounced out every time you think about it. You know we we have to learn what real forgiveness means. That thing is gone; it doesn't exist anymore. Amen. That's what God wants us to convey. He wants us to convey His forgiveness, His heart of love, His heart of righteousness, but also His heart of holiness. We serve a holy God and he expects people who love him and serve him to be holy, just like he is holy. Not their own holiness, not self-righteousness, but holy as he is holy. And and so that's that's what he expects out of us. So he says, don't render anybody evil for evil, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So sinner and saint alike. You you don't render evil for evil, you know, because what happens is vengeance is never satisfied. It's a spirit that will keep you, you know, because you go and say something mean to somebody back and and then the next time you, you see them, you want to do more. Vengeance is never satisfied. That's why God says, leave it to me. I'll repay and that doesn't mean you sit around and wait for something bad to happen to somebody so you can get excited about it. Because if you do that, he won't admonish them. He says if you, if you're, that's what you're looking for, uh, then he won't. He'll put off or delay, uh, you know, their correction or their admonishment or whatever it is. God's only going to offer people forgiveness, folks. I don't know what you expect because they said something mean to you. You know, what to me? Me of all precious me. They said mean things to me. <laughs> you understand? I don't know what you expect God to do to people. What do you expect him to do to you when you're mean to people? Mm-hmm. See? Yeah, and so as we, he says be merciful so you can receive mercy. Amen. So, so always be merciful. Be forgiving. That's what mercy is, is forgiving. You know, and, and you, you would tell people, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't really mean that. I just got beside myself. Everything's coming at me at one time. Forgive me, please. You got me? That's as much as you need to say. And they don't need to say anything back to you. The best thing to do, and, 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 and this is a good, um, uh, guideline is to wait until you've forgiven people and your heart is peaceful toward them 
if you have to say anything to them. Many times you forgive people and you don't even need to say anything more. You don't need to come to them and say, well, you made me mad when you said you made me mad. You know, let it go. Let it go. Don't keep bringing things up. If they're, if they're, if they are forgiven, then it's gone. You understand what I'm saying? It's gone. It's just gone. Sometimes if you have to forgive them for the same things over and over and over again, it's because you need to practice forgiveness. Mm. Not many amens there. <laughs> you know, we don't live in a vacuum, folks. You're ever working uh, God's ever working you into perfection in Christ. You forget. You're being molded and shaped in his image. You want to reign with him? You gotta suffer with him. You gotta deal with people that don't like you. You gotta deal with people that are against you. You gotta deal with people who don't like your God. Whatever it is, but you must forgive them. You must deal with them in the way God says deal forgiveness. Don't try to ignore them and, uh, I don't even think about that. You need to. Need to ponder, you know, why does this keep happening to me? God tell me, is there something that you're working in me? Oh Lord, I forgive this person. And I determine to forgive instantly everybody who offends me and not carry things around. Amen? We get tired of carrying dead bodies around with us. You ought to. You're not a mortician. Your children of light and life. Amen. So he says, follow that which is good among yourselves and all men. Rejoice evermore. That's the command to rejoice. Amen. In other words, allow the spirit of joy to take over your life. If you'll do that, you won't have as much trouble in these other areas that he's helping helping them to to correct, you know, and exhorting them that don't forget these things. That's what he's doing. He's giving them the final instructions. Don't forget these things. Amen. Pray without ceasing. In other words, don't you faint. Don't you get to be the feeble-minded and faint-hearted person. Amen. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop standing on the word of God. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In other words, be thankful all the time. When he says in everything. Amen. In everything. In every situation, whether it's lack or plenty, give thanks. In every situation, whether it's harming you or harming someone else, give thanks to God. This is the will of God. Not the bad things are the will of God for you. But the will of God for you is to give thanks all the time. Why should we give thanks all the time? Well, Thanksgiving, number one, keeps us at the portals of God's throne. If you keep Thanksgiving in your heart, God won't be far away from helping you. You won't be waiting for for a, a, a long, long time. Because you'll, you'll be obeying the word of God. You'll be obeying this scripture. In everything, give thanks. 
Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you made it a joyful day for me. You've made it for me to rejoice. Father, I thank you for what you are doing, what you're yet to do. Thank you for saving my family. Thank you, Lord, for provision. Thank you, Lord, for um, for hair. <laughs> you know, I mean, just everything, you all those things that you pray for here and there. Pull them all together. Yeah, pull Thank you for hair. Amen. I was praying the uh uh H's in my life. Hair, house, uh what else? I had some other ones on there. But you know, I just I just light them all up. Thank you, Jesus, for all of those things in my life. You know, you don't ever want to stop giving thanks, amen. Every all the time, every day, every you know, and that'll keep your mind prosperous too, amen. Where it says my soul does magnify the Lord. You want your brain to magnify. You don't want your brain to be sitting up condemning and criticizing everything, being mad and disgruntled. You want your soul to magnify the Lord. It's easier if you give thanks all the time. Devil doesn't have time to wedge in there and start telling you what's wrong with everything if you start giving thanks. And God will fight for you. It'll change the atmosphere around you. When your atmosphere is holy, ministering angels encamp around you. Amen? Because you fear God. You love God. You're showing that you love him by giving thanks. Amen? So that's God's will. All the time. Give thanks to me all the time. He says, don't quench the spirit. So when you do give thanks, it keeps you from quenching the spirit. Now, these are separate verses, but it was one conversation when Paul wrote it. So the way to keep the Holy Spirit active around you and in your life is to give thanks. He shows up on the lips of thanksgiving. He always does. He never ceases to show up when you start to give thanks. Uh, when uh, the camps were were living with me, we would. Rachel was the the um, <laughs> the blessing girl. We would have her bless the food every time we sat down, and I'd started observing. Uh, she started out. Father, we thank you. And the minute she would say thanks, the Holy Spirit would come and just hover over. Yep. Over every single time. If she does it today, the same that, that presence of God follows her through the giving of thanks. Amen. And so we have to remind ourselves of these things. How to stay close to God? Be thankful. Just say, Father, thank you. I mean, if you, you don't have to think of something to thank Him for. Just thanksgiving in our hearts. Period towards God. You don't have to be toward him for anything. Just toward him, period. He's God. He's deserving of thanks. Amen. So, so we have to remember these things. He says rejoice. Don't quit in your prayers. Be thankful at all times. Don't interrupt the Holy Spirit or cause him to leave or dissipate or go away. Amen. Different ways of quenching the spirit, ignoring God's leading, refuse to obey his promptings, 
to worship or pray or hold your peace, whatever it is, uh, you, you, you keep the Holy Spirit, you, you kind of bind him from operating, doing what he wants to do in your life. So you want to keep the Holy Spirit loosed in your life all the time, uh, to do the things he wants to do. Amen. He wants to comfort us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to reassure us and give us peace. Amen. He says, despise not prophesying. Amen. Don't set up in your heart a dislike for prophecy. Now, I know there's some goofy people that run, but we're not talking about false things. We're talking about true words from God that come from the Spirit of God. Amen. Just, just make sure if you don't receive something, you can just leave it on the, on the shelf or say, God, if this is for me, show me, or I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? If you never get an explanation, don't worry about it. You've given it to God already. Amen. He says also, prove all things. So in not, you don't have to despise prophecy, but you can prove it to see if it's the word of God. Does it measure up with the written scripture? That's first and foremost. Amen. Is the spirit of it a spirit of wisdom? Amen. Is it peaceable and easy to be entreated? Does it grieve your spirit at all? You, you have to understand those things about it. So, so, and discard anything that doesn't measure up, you know, but don't despise it. There's a difference between discarding it, putting it aside, asking God to judge it, and despising it. You'll get to the point where you don't want to hear God's voice at all. So God doesn't want, He wants us to be discerning. He wants to prove all things against His word. And He says, hold fast to that which is good. You know, there, there's some good things in prophecy. Sometimes people will start out with a true word from God and then drift off into their souls, but it's, it's half and half. People are like that. Amen. So you have to understand that. It says abstain for all appearance of evil. Man, so don't let yourself be seen doing certain things. It's just just not right to uh, before God to put confusion on people. Amen. Uh, you know, just just respect people, understand uh, how God wants you to operate with them, and uh, so forth and so on. Amen. Watch your witness. That's what that means. Don't let yourself look bad. Amen. Uh, male and female relationships. You have to be careful um, that you're not looking too familiar out in public, uh, one with another. Believers with non-believers. Uh, you, you can't just, you know, somebody say, "Oh, well, let's go out to dinner," and and you don't pray about it. You go and they want to start dinner at the bar, ordering drinks. You get intimidated and you let them order one for you. Or, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, the offense wouldn't have happened if you prayed about it. God could have told you don't go out with that person. Amen. So we have to understand those things. Amen. So, so these are the things that he's talking about. Amen. He says, and if you'll do those things, abstain from all appearance of evil. If you'll do those things, the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So you have nothing to fear about your prayers getting answered. You have nothing to fear about, God, you know, have I walked away from you? Am I not doing what you wanted? He says he's faithful. The one who's called you is faithful, and he'll do what he says he's going to do. He'll get you across the finish line. 
Amen. <laughs> he will, he will get you across the finish line. Amen. Amen. So he, um, he asked them to pray for him. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I think this is the way Christians would greet each other. You know, it doesn't mean much for us now because there were a small community there and wanted to make sure that people understand, stood who was whose. I said, I charge you by the Lord, this epistle be read to the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So those are the Thessalonian admonitions that Paul gave to keep the church pure. Keep the church together. Keep the church vibrant, full of life, active until the Lord comes. And it's really a lot focusing on relationship, how you relate to God, first of all, and then how you relate to one another. Uh, always be respectful of one another, you know. Uh, you don't want to come in and start unloading your 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 bad garbage on people. I don't care how close they are to you. You know, there's a familiarity that can get you into trouble sometimes. You know, you don't always want to bear your soul to, you know what I'm saying, Just just don't take advantage of people's concern for you uh, by always wanting to let them know the bad news. You know what I'm saying? Let them know some good news. Amen. You know, God's working. Mm -hmm. We can always say God's working. We can always say God's encouraging you. You can always be an encouraging person. Whether you feel like it or not, Uh, if you do it by faith, the feelings will come. Amen. I found that to be true. If you do it by faith, the feelings will always follow. They will fall in line with your faith. So we will always need to understand that we have a relationship uh, uh, covenant with God uh, for ourselves before God and before others. Amen. All right. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for giving us understanding of how we're to conduct ourselves, Lord, and we know there's no excuse for not conducting ourselves according to your covenant. And Father, these are trying times. These are difficult times. They're evil times, but we don't perceive it that way, Lord, because we live in the spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our refuge and our fortress and your ever-present help in our trouble. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus name amen and praise god amen so if anybody needs prayer come on up and i'll pray for you